0: You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Well, hello everybody. Good evening. Welcome to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host Tom Scavetta. Joined alongside my partners in crime, Kyle Russo and James Montefusco, fellas. Good evening. What's up?
1: What's up, there, boys? Long Nothing time no on. see. Yeah, long time no see. Uh, happy to be here, guys. Excited, excited. It's going to yes. be a action-packed show tonight.
0: First of all, first off, wanted to thank you all for watching our. Super Bowl show on Sunday morning. That was an excellent show with all of us on that really do appreciate it. Remember to subscribe to us on all platforms below, as you can see scrolling across our ticker and subscribe to our YouTube channel at review and preview sports for all things, review and preview exclusive from all sports. We got it all. And for listener support, you can uh, punch up that uh, ticker below as well in your search bar. So uh, without further ado, I know we're going to talk about the Super Bowl tonight. We're going to recap that. We're going to touch upon Trevor Bauer, talk some Rangers, Islanders. That should be a lot of fun. But uh, our primary focus is the Super Bowl and the 2021 Hall of Fame class. But before that, I do want to reveal to you all, uh, over the course of the season, we were doing our regular season quick picks, which is where Kyle, James, myself, and Gabe all picked every single NFL game this season. With that being said, I want to reveal to you all now who the regular season NFL Quick Picks
2: loser is. James? I will go ahead and What's up, everybody? It's
0: Gabe Foyton here, and I'm your 2020-2021 NFL Quick Picks loser for review and preview. It was a rough year for me. I was bold, I was
3: brash, and I was wrong. So... It is my duty now
0: to serve my punishment. Enjoy, everybody. All right, so we're going to show Gabe's punishment at seven ten p.m. So what we're going to do is we had Gabe, who can't be here tonight, we had him record a, a clip of himself. We are going to show that clip once every 10 minutes of the show. I have an alarm on my phone, so the first one will be at 7, 10 p.m., Followed by 720, 730, so on and so forth, uh, so on and so forth until 9 p.m. So that's gonna go on every 10 minutes for two hours straight. You are not going to wanna miss that. Again, our 2020 quick picks loser, Gabe Flayton. Flayton. Who, by the way, he was the only one to get the Super Bowl correct. I just wanna acknowledge him for that. Yeah. But guys, let's recap the Super Bowl. Why don't we? This was uh I mean I thought it was a fun game to watch. I know it wasn't what anybody expected regardless of who you picked in this game. This is not what 9899% of people expected. Tampa Bay blows out Kansas City 31 to 9. They become the first team ever to play and win the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Tom Brady wins his 7th ring and his 5th MVP in the big game. And Brady now officially has more wins in the big game than any NFL franchise. That includes the New England Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then, of course, Bruce Arians becoming the uh, oldest head coach to win a Super Bowl in NFL history. I know he had some previously as an assistant, but this was his first one as a head coach. Uh,
1: Guys, job well done, Tampa Bay. I should have went with my gut. I should have won my gut, My original prediction. Never bet against Tom Brady. Never bet against Tom Brady. Uh, it, I wouldn't say it was an entertaining game. I, I would say this. In terms of hype for a Super Bowl, this was probably one of the most hyped and then completely blown out of proportion by the end of the result outcome that I think I've seen. in, in As far as I'm concerned, over the last 10 years of me watching Super Bowls, I was so excited for this game. I've never been more excited to watch a Super Bowl, and this was just depressing. If you were going to tell me that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to go touchdownless, one of the most elite offenses that we've ever seen in NFL history was going to go touchdownless in the Super Bowl, I would have told you you're nuts and go jump in a lake. But it happens. It happens. And I think I even said it on uh, our Super Bowl show. I said, if there was a team out of the two that was going to be the one to blow the other one out, it was going to be Kansas City. I didn't think Tampa was capable of doing so. And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did final score 31 to nine. And I think we're all a little shocked even to this day. I mean, even though it's Tom Brady, I think we're shocked how the chiefs performed to an extent.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. This was a very tough game for Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas city chiefs. But before we talk about them, James, I want to talk more about Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, an individual that you personally despise. Uh, now has 34 career playoff wins. That is more than double the next closest quarterback, being Joe Montana. Uh, pretty sure that puts him out of the GOAT debate. Uh, Brady has won every Super Bowl in every even-numbered year since 2014. James, you were the one that brought this up to me. Very clever. I did. I forget what
3: platform I saw it on scrolling through Instagram, and I'm like, That'd be yeah. I forget what it was, but I was like, okay, 14 16 18 now 20 so i was like good next year we get a break from him and his team Uh but uh, i don't think so the way mike evans is talking ho literally take a pay cut to keep everybody on the roster and the way they played this sunday um they'll be back there again unless for some weird unknown reason they aren't um Listen, I'm happy for Brady. It's a big accomplishment. I mean, being 42, 43 years old, still playing at such a high level, he's played. Yeah, um, Phenomenal. I give him nothing but respect. But let me, let, let's make that clear. For people that are watching, don't think I give everything but respect to Tom Brady. He's the
0: GOAT. I, I get that. But there's part I, of me that
3: like, go ahead, Tom.
0: No, I was going to say I know I definitely know you respect Tom Brady. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a hatred. You want to root against him. I totally understand yeah. that. I'm a big Tom Brady fan. And uh let's get to this comment. Sam Cardona. Sam, what's up? Thank you very much for joining us here tonight. Never bet against Tom Brady. Yes, I completely agree. Uh my explanation for picking Kansas City is you know Brady's on a new team, and I—I I don't know what it was. I had a moral dilemma with myself, saying that if I picked Tampa Bay, they would not win, and I really wanted the Bucks to win this game, so I decided to go with Kansas City, hoping that Tampa Bay would win the game, based solely off of that. And uh, for me, it wasn't Brady against Mahomes; it was Brady against Spags, and Brady took it to Spags as good as Tampa Bay's defense was. Brady moved the football down the field early on in this game. And before we analyze that further, just want to say make sure to go follow Sam Cardona at the girl who talks sports podcast on Instagram, Twitter, subscribe to her on YouTube as well. Definitely an excellent guest that we've had here on our network. So thank you very much, Sam. Keep the comments coming folks. That was Sam Cardona. And uh, yeah, I'm sure Andy's going to hop in here just, just about any (laughs) minute now, no pun intended. Um, Kyle Russo, yep. you, at the beginning of the season, picked the Bucks to win the Super Bowl, but then you switched to the Chiefs. Why the change of heart?
1: <sighs> not smart. Not smart. Not, 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 the, not the sharpest tool in the shed. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've been saying it the entirety of the playoffs. I'm not betting against Tom Brady, and I did that. And, you know, I was in second place uh, behind you, Tom, for a while before the Super Bowl. And for some reason, I had the inclination, you know what, Patrick Mahomes is is a magician with the football. And, he, yeah. and even in this game, he was. I mean, we all know that throw he made where he's parallel to the ground and somehow almost a touchdown pass. But yeah. I don't know why I bet against it. All the factors were actually pointing towards Tampa to win this game. You know, yeah. we talked about the secondary for Kansas City being a question mark. We talked about the offensive line being horrific. We talked about Tampa Bay having – the number one run defense in football in Kansas City, not having the ability to run the football even behind that offensive line. And for some reason, I had the feeling to pick them. I don't know why. I don't know why. Listen, nobody would have disagreed with you if you picked Kansas City. Nobody would have disagreed with you if you picked Tampa. But I don't think anybody was expecting this outcome. I don't think anybody could have predicted this, a blowout like that. But it happened.
0: Yeah. Uh And I also want to say that Brady is now the first player in any of the big four sports to win championships for two different teams after turning 40. So Peyton did it, but Brady has now done it after turning 40. Peyton was still in his late thirties when he did that. And Fonz Falco, what's up, Fonz? I told everyone, don't do it. Don't do it. But I I do want to say this. I remember a lot of people – I don't think Fons is one of them. We're doubting the Bucks in the playoffs. I was the one person advocating for them to make a run to the NFC Championship game and the big game. Everyone was saying, "No, it's not going to happen. They're not going to get past Green Bay. They're not going to get past the Saints." And James, the alarm just went off. Ah, uh, that guess
3: what
4: that means? Oh, 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 oh. So, back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot, James. So that was no Gabe Clayton. You will be hearing that every ten minutes tonight on Review and Preview Live because that is his punishment for being the regular season quick picks loser amongst
1: our crew. Fonz cares about all of us. Yeah, Fonz, please trademark that quote. I, I will that phrase. I will buy a T-shirt if you put it on one, please. <laughs> yep, uh,
0: we miss you, Fonz uh definitely good to see you in the comments section and um hey congrats to your ravens uh winning a playoff game with lamar as the quarterback lamar definitely uh you know did some good things in the playoffs this year but back to tom brady because that's who uh we're individuals living in tom brady's world guys we're this is tom brady's world that we're living in um brady had three touchdowns in this game most notably uh, two to Rob Gronkowski, and another play that I really liked was the big 31-yard pass to Mike Evans. I thought that was outstanding. And Gronk, guys, is now the first player in NFL history to catch a pass in five different Super Bowls. And not only that, he now has caught 14 touchdowns from Tom Brady in the playoffs. Did you know oh. that's the most in NFL history between a quarterback and and a pass catcher, so it could be a receiver, tight end, running yeah. back, whatever position it is. They broke
1: Montana and Rice's record, which was thirteen. Yeah. So,
0: Are they the best duo
1: ever? Yeah. yeah, and I think that the 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 margin the margin would be even bigger if Gronk mm-hmm. didn't get hurt all those years as well. You got to remember Gronk was out so much, I believe he didn't even play in one of the Super Bowls because because of his injuries. So you know, you you look at all that, you take that into account he could probably get up to 20. Yeah. Son of a gun. Uh,
0: another thing too, and I kind of alluded to, and I told you guys, I was literally 51, 49 in my decision. Uh, it, it was not a confident decision at all, either way that I swayed in this, in this game. But um, I, I know Kyle had a very similar dilemma. I know James is just like, I don't give a crap at this point. I just want Brady to lose. Uh, exactly. Leonard, Leonard Fournette, a fun fact about him, um, has scored at least one touchdown in each postseason game. He had 89 yards on the ground and a score, including the 27-yard touchdown run that he had, and then four catches for 46 yards, not to mention Ronald Jones had 60 yards on the ground as well. So they dominated the ground game. And uh, we talked about Gronkowski, and I do agree Brady and Gronk are the best uh, quarterback pass catcher duo ever in the playoffs, mm-hmm. probably of all time at this point. But the Bucks also outrushed Kansas City, and that was a big issue in the first matchup. The Bucs could not establish a run. They outrushed Kansas City, and they won time of possession. They won the trenches, and that was huge. The old-school physical mentality running the football helped Tampa Bay win this game, guys.
3: Pounds and
1: grounds. Yep, it did help. I was actually surprised. Leonard Fournette really revitalized his career with this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. This was a guy that, you know, the Jaguars couldn't even get a fifth-round pick from, so they had to release him. He had zero touchdowns rushing last year, yeah. and he came up clutch in the Super Bowl.
0: Let's get to Ben Cruz. Hey, guys. How are you all doing? I'm happy for Brady and Gronk for winning another ring. However, I give Mahomes props for making some of his crazy throws that were incompletions that could have been touchdowns. My X factor from that game was Leonard Fournette. He was going off. Yep. yep, that's right. Yeah. Mahomes really – I mean, people are saying, oh, that was the worst game of his career. But, to be fair, we really underestimated how much having Mike Remmers and Andrew Wiley playing the tackle positions for Eric Fisher and Mitch Schwartz would hurt Patrick Mahomes. That hurt Patrick Mahomes. Oh. Patrick Mahomes' injury hurt Patrick Mahomes <laughs> – He's getting surgery in the off season, and Travis Kelsey dropped a couple of passes. His whole team didn't show up. It seemed like Mahomes was the only player on the offense that showed up. Yeah, it was bad, guys. It was a bad all around performance. Andy Reid did not coach a good game at
1: all. Nope, he was out coached by Bruce Arians. Yep,
4: and he was, was- out
0: coached by Todd Bowles.
1: Yeah, that was that was the worst part. I know we were going back and forth. If there was a uh, obviously Tom Brady you know, is, is the MVP of the game, but if there was individual accolades, you, you give the MVP to Tom, uh, Todd Bowles and you give the MVP of that game to every single player on that defense because as much as Brady did save them, that's what you shut down one of the best offenses of all time in the Super Bowl. touchdown list to the Kansas City Chiefs. Absolutely incredible. Salvatore Formica. Uh, what's up, Sal? Rice, Montana. That's a good one, Sal. That is a good one. I don't. I don't disagree with that statement. They won, I believe, three Super Bowls together. I want to say four Super Bowls together. I want to say something like that. That's definitely a good one. I know Jerry Rice is the all-time touchdown leader, but in terms of postseason, I mean, again, Gronkowski. You know, what, let me let me retract my statement. It, it's Rice in Montana, and I go based on what I said, Gronk and and Brady because of the fact the what if factor. What if? Gronk didn't retire at such a young age because you got to remember he retired at 29 years old and he came back. He's only 31. He's still relatively young. But the injuries, the concussions with withheld and,
2: yeah.
1: um, you know, took away meaningful games in his career. Like I said earlier, he missed a Super Bowl in which yeah. could have further established himself. But that, that is a good one. That is a good one. That is arguable.
0: I I still think that might hold the edge. But the thing is, you bring up a good point as well, Kyle. So, you know, I'm kind of neutral in this one. Um, I I do think Brady and Gronk have a slim edge only because of what they were able to do this year in a pandemic-struck year. Obviously, Gronk was out of football. Brady on a new team, they just gelled, and they gelled at the right times. But as far as consistency goes, it's obviously Montana and Rice, in my opinion. Other guys in this game – and look, the receivers really – Didn't have much cooking. Mike Evans had that 131-yard catch. That was it. Mm -hmm. Godwin had two catches for nine yards. Antonio Brown had five catches for only 22 yards, but he also did have the touchdown. So Gronk was the leading receiver in this game for Tampa Bay, and it's astonishing because the Bucs still managed to score 30-plus points in all of their postseason games. That's the first time that's ever been done. Mm First time ever in four postseason games. How incredible is that? It's like it's
1: scripted, man. It's straight out of a storybook. You just and can't make this up. I'm just tired
0: of people making excuses for the Chiefs as to why they didn't win this game. Um, and the first thing is the officials. If you're it, like, and this is not directed towards any one person because I've heard it from multiple different people that the officials. You know, where they were on Tom Brady's side, this and that, and what, whatnot. Uh, I don't really agree with that. I think the problem with Kansas City is they deserve to lose. Chris Jones with the unnecessary roughness, um, where that led to the goal line stand. So it's not sure. like Tampa Bay scored any points off of that. Uh, Kelsey had the drop on third and eight. That led to a pretty shitty punt by Townsend. Uh, Char- Charverius Ward... Held Evans, that negated a Tyron Matthew interception, obvious hold. And uh, Ben Neiman, the linebacker, number 56, he backed up the Chiefs, where now they had to punt from their own nine-yard line. Yep, That was when they were down 7-3. And then the Bucs are going for a field goal on fourth and five, up 7-3, and then Hardman jumps off sides. That is a four-point swing because Gronk would then score his second touchdown where he's wide open in the end zone.
1: They shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. They they had so yeah. many opportunities to win this football game. And, Tom, a uh, couple other ones as well, right? Tyreek yeah. Hill hit right in the face with a touchdown pass. That, that's that's a touchdown. It, and, yeah. and any given, yeah. On any given day for him, he didn't catch it. Same thing would – I think it was Darrell Williams in the end zone. Hit him in the face mask. They didn't catch yeah. it. Kansas think, City – Go ahead, James.
3: Kansas City – oh, wait, hold on.
4: Ooh, 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 ooh.
3: Thank you, Gabe. Um, <laughs> Kansas City, the only one that came to Tampa prepared was Mahomes. I mean, he yeah. had, what, 500-plus scramble yards backwards. behind the pocket. Backwards.
0: Feel that, kid. Feel that
3: um, for that, kid. I mean, he played his heart out, and Tom – like, I'm – with you, the refs didn't cost the game for Kansas City. Kansas City cost the game for themselves. When you make too many dumb mistakes, it's going to hurt you. Yep. And now, just yeah, go, go ahead. And the fact that nobody on that coaching staff, or even Mahomes, said, Can we cut out with the dumb mistakes, at least from what I saw, yep. was kind of disappointing.
0: Yep. And Kansas City couldn't get a pass rush either. The best player in this game. PFF grade wise was Tristan Wirfs, the rookie right tackle, who had a 91.7 pro football focus grade. He looked like a 10 year veteran out there. You didn't hear Chris Jones's name or Derek Natty or uh, Pasek known. I know I'm pronouncing his name wrong, but uh, you guys get the point. There was no pass rush active for Kansas city and, This is the big dilemma for me was the Bucs' last drive of the half where Brady gets the ball about a minute left, right? They're up Mm 14-6, so it's an eight-point game. It's a reachable game. Brady just throws it deep to Breland. That's a smart play by Brady because you're probably going to get that call against Mike Evans. And then the Tyran Matthew, uh, that was a clear penalty in the end zone that led to the Antonio Brown touchdown. Again, that wouldn't have happened. If, in my opinion, at least, if Andy Reid didn't take that dumb timeout, yeah. it just made no sense
1: to me. To I the thought Andy – yeah. It was stupid. It was stupid. This was not a – listen, it was – I'm looking in the comment section right now. Sal saying penalties, drops, refs, O-line equals a loss. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. The only – James, you said it. The only player that showed up to Tampa was Patrick Mahomes. And yet he was potentially one of the biggest question marks because, you you know, now he's having yeah. surgery two days later, three days later after the Super Bowl because of the severity of the injury. And yet you're, you're, you're making this guy run 500 yards behind the line in a scrimmage? Yeah. That's what you're doing? <laughs> Give him a clean pocket. My God. I mean, he got
0: sandwiched between JPP. And and Sue and Shaq. Yeah. Garrett,
1: yeah. He got yeah.
0: killed. And here, here's my problem, too. It was just the poor coaching effort by the Chiefs all, all around, Reed, bien enemy, Spaggs, because uh, Fournette had that touchdown. So obviously, yes, the Bucs clearly had the better offensive line. I think we all knew that. And this proved that running the football can still win you games against the best modern-day NFL offense if you do it right. Uh, the first drive of the second half, the one drive where the Chiefs, they ran the ball well. This was the only drive of the game that they ran the ball well. Uh, the first play was a 26 yard run by Edwards-Hilaire, if you guys re- mm-hmm. remember, and then they didn't run the ball again. It, it was just like they play after play. I, I understand you're down 21 to six, but it's the beginning of the third quarter. Keep Brady off the field.
1: No, but you gotta. No, but you're only you're only shortening your clock at that point. You got to you got to score 15 points, and they weren't doing it all game. Half. Yeah, but you got to throw the ball. It, no, they I understand first. that, but they weren't running it enough, in my opinion. With that offensive line, how much success are you going to have? That's what that was the issue. You got to get rid of the ball it, again. It just came down to the wide receivers, tight ends, not just catching passes. Patrick Mahomes threw it right in the hands. Doesn't get any. That third and eight by Travis Kelsey is going to haunt him for a long time. I mean, uh, the Mahomes chances, did have. He did have a couple bad throws in this game. Yeah, oh yeah, he right. overthrew, but yeah. Ben Cruz I just think with uh
0: Ben Cruz yeah Todd Bowles that's that's the next thing yeah he won against his usual game plan he didn't he didn't call as many blitzes as he normally did he blitzed more three three guys and trusted a secondary to make the plays David and Barrett were exceptional and this is a perfect example I was talking about this with my uh I think it was one of my brothers before the game uh Super Bowl 25 in 1990, the Giants are going up against Jim, Jim Kelly. They only put two down linemen the entire game, Eric Howard and Leonard Marshall. Everyone else just dropped back and knew what Jim Kelly's strength was. That was throwing the football, throwing the football deep. Don't get beat for the big play. And, you know, you see that here. You saw that here in this game. That's exactly what Patrick Mahomes was, right? It was a It was a similar strategy to that game. If you think about it, he took a page out of Bill Belichick. Todd Bowles, let me tell you something. Not only did they contain the Chiefs' offense, they didn't give up a single touchdown. The only touchdown the Chiefs had in Tampa was the flight that hit the ground. That was it. That was the only time they touched down in Tampa Bay. Uh, Bowles' defense, they forced two turnovers. They held the Chiefs to 23% on third down, and they held Mahomes to single digits. This never happened before.
1: Yep. Ben, they didn't, they didn't have to blitz. I think they only blitzed five times in the game. They didn't have to because they were getting pressure on 50% plus of the plays that Patrick Mahomes had. They didn't have to blitz. Not enough running whatsoever to hide the left side of the line and Mahomes being
0: hurt. That's an excellent point. Yeah, no. uh, Allegretti and Remmers. And, um, you know, we're Giants fans, so we know that Mike Remmers is not a left tackle. He is a mediocre swing tackle at this point of his career. That's exactly what he is. Very talented. But, again, he's an older player with back problems. And if you're going up against JPP, (laughs) granted, he has back problems as well. And Shaq Barrett, you're unmatched. You lose that battle every time. Nine nine times out of ten, you're going to lose. Oh, yeah. Just the way it goes. And Devin White as well. Devin White had 12 tackles in this game, an interception, What are your thoughts on Devin White, and not just his performance on this game, but his overall postseason performance? I thought he was magnificent the entire postseason.
1: Oh, he was phenomenal. He's one of the best up-and-coming linebackers in the NFL. You know, when he was drafted, what was it now, two, three years ago by Tampa, you knew that guy was going to be special because he was going to be the cornerstone piece of that defense because at the time they didn't have – you know, JPP was a question mark whether he was coming back. Even though they had him, he suffered that neck injury, which was really bad. Uh, you know, they still had Levante David. The secondary wasn't developed yet. He was going to be the cornerstone piece, and him and Levante David just were absolutely phenomenal uh, this year. And he's, he's, again, like I said earlier, his regular season stats as well. I know we're talking postseason. What do you have? Almost 10 sacks this season as a linebacker. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, something like that.
0: He had, I think he had nine from the linebacker. He had nine? Yeah, nine. Uh, yeah. Around nine, I want to say. Yeah, he was outstanding. He was probably my second pick for MVP. Behind Brady. I'd put him before Gronk, actually. I'd put Gronk third and then White second, in my opinion.
2: Yeah.
0: I would agree. That's that's where I tend to lean. And then I'd actually put Fournette fourth. I would put him fourth. And, I mean, maybe you got to throw Winfield in there, too, uh, because he was good. Let's talk about him, actually. Uh, Antoine Winfield, rookie safety, son of Antoine Winfield, used to play for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the rookie had six tackles, one pick, and two passes defended. First of all, uh, thoughts on his confrontation with Tyreek Hill. Now, I know Hill did something to him.
1: I don't know if it was earlier in the game or back in Week 12. There was some we previous 12, week, week 12. 12. Yeah. I, I, listen, I usually don't like the controversy and the knacking back and forth, but uh, my same stance goes how I viewed the, uh, the same thing with Tennessee, what the Ravens did to Tennessee when they played in the playoffs. How Tennessee, when they played in the earlier season, the regular season, they were stomping all over the Ravens logo and they came out yeah. in the playoffs and the same thing. Tyreek Hill is doing backflips in the end zone week 12 and showing up the peace signs. Antoine Winfield did the same thing back to him after he sealed the biggest victory that he could possibly get. I have no problem with it.
3: The only, see, Bruce, I want to take a different stance. The only problem is Tyreek Hill was at least 10 yards down the field when he threw up the peace sign. No, Looks he wasn't. Great. He was right
1: next to him. He's right next to him. He's no, not I that. thought
3: it was further down. Cause he... Go ahead, Tom. All
0: right, it's only 728, actually, right?
3: Uh, well, yeah, Well, like, I'll finish what I was had to my say. My alarms there.
0: keep going off early for some reason.
3: Uh, it's fine. But the fact that he went up to his face and did it, I think that's where the flag came into play.
1: Oh, yeah. No, Is listen, it, it's unsportsmanlike you know? conduct no matter what. But in terms of just the morals and, you know, you did it to me, yeah. eye for an eye, right? Yeah. And he did it when the game was over, too. So If it
0: was me, I wouldn't have done it. I would have let my play do the talking, or tried to at least. But I totally understand it. Not everyone's wired the same way. Everyone's going to react differently to a certain situation. Um yeah, I I can't 100% blame Winfield for that. Even, I think, one of my friends was saying, I was low-key kind of glad Winfield did that. He
1: wasn't... Oh, James, go. go. No, no, go, 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 go. Yeah, he wasn't just doing that to Antoine Winfield. That's his thing. That's what he does to everybody yeah. when oh, he yeah, scores no. a touchdown. So, you didn't know, throw it back in your face in the biggest sports moment that you could possibly have. Go right ahead. I don't care.
2: Do it.
3: <laughs> now, what's your guys' opinion on how Tom Brady came running down the field, said something to someone's face later on about that? It was, I think, the third quarter. You guys what? see that?
1: Iron Matthews something? Yeah. I don't know. Tom Brady, everybody's saying Tom, Brady, Tom Brady gets heated the moment he admitted that. I don't think it was anything said, but I found it interesting that Tyron Matthew refused to comment on, he posted on Twitter and then took his post down afterwards. So it's probably nothing. It's probably yeah. nothing, but that was it's the, that's re- a, go. Yeah. It's go. weird seeing that from Tom Brady though. Yeah. You don't see that unless you, it's, I've yeah. never seen Tom Brady do that before. <laughs> I've never seen him do that before. Um, all right, we got we got to get to Gabe again.
4: Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, 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 ooh.
1: Thanks, Gabe.
0: Uh, that's, that's something else, man. All right. Can't wait to Back enjoy that to another million
1: times tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, I don't – again, he took that down, so it was probably nothing. I've yeah. never seen that out of Brady before, and especially as a 43-year-old veteran experienced 10 times in the Super Bowl. Yep. Yeah. So, for him to do that means that Tyron Matthew was doing something as well. So, yeah, he really under Brady's skin. Yeah.
0: I want a but. quick shout out, John Suggs. Uh, y'all remember me seeing 911 Bucks winning by and almost had those 20 flags thrown. Laugh out loud. Um, I don't know if I do, actually.
1: If can, can yeah, you can't know, s- say that. he did say, that. I remember him saying something about the flags. He, he did say the over under on the flags uh, 20 or more. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. This, yes, this, yes, yes this, was last,
0: this was last week. Yep.
1: Um mean saying bucks nine to eleven point. I mean, John, they blew him yeah. out by like twenty-three, so <laughs> and we have a comment from Daniel
0: here. It was Honey Badger. Yes, I agree. Um yeah. Um, so I definitely think that it was an interesting game for a lot of people. Jason Pierre Paul, as well. He got his second ring. And fun fact, history told everybody to pick the bucks in this game. I'm you know and I'm going to say this as an avid Brady supporter, why Giant fans were rooting against Brady and Tampa Bay. I I don't understand this philosophy by some Giant fans that want the opposition to knock off Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. I don't want to see that happen. And and (laughs) Jason Pierre-Paul was undefeated in the postseason going into this game. He's now 8-0. He has as many playoff wins as fingers, guys. (laughs)
1: That's a messed up fun well, fact.
0: If, if you don't yeah. count the two thumbs, it's eight to seven.
1: That's true.
2: But,
0: uh, just a little factoid in there. Another comment from Dan, which, uh, by the way, I just want to say, uh, Daniel, de- definitely looking forward to uh, working with you in the future as well. I know uh, we're in a little sports streamers group now, so make sure to go check Daniel out and his stuff um, on his network as well. Um, and we will definitely do some collaborations with all um, – with all, all, all of you guys. And I, I do agree. The biggest mistake the Chiefs made in the game was not running the ball more. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me is the first drive of that third quarter. I'm going to go back to it. They had the 26-yard run from Clyde. And, again, yep. it kind of, the drive just stalled. Bowles took them out of the game plan. He was daring them to run the football at them. He was running cover, two the whole game. Cover two, Tampa. It's exactly what the defense is. You're um, two. But JPP, he had three tackles in this game. The Bucs defense had three sacks, one and a half by Domicung Sue. I think somebody said Sue would have a good game. Might have been James or Kyle. Kyle did. Uh, one from Shaq Barrett, and then the strip sack from Cam Gill. It was a half sack between Sue and Gill on that fumble. Uh, that I believe Mahomes ended up recovering. Uh,
3: yes, yes.
0: Uh, but I mean, have you? Oh, okay. Anyone care about this year's halftime show?
4: I don't know why Uh, people are
1: knocking it. I thought it was one of the better ones in recent years. Yeah, I, I
0: I, I, I agree. I don't know if it was like the best over the past like decade, but, It was good considering the circumstances. You got to remember, you can't have all these people out that you usually have out. So, you know, I mean, I think it's a little unfair to judge a little harshly like some people are. But I mean, I thought it was pretty okay. I I wasn't like emotionally invested into it like some people were. But uh, Kyle
1: and James, maybe you could elaborate a little more on that. I I thought it was great. I I liked it a lot. The last the last Super Bowl show and and I forgot about this. The last Super Bowl halftime show that I really liked a lot is where the Super Bowl was held in Minnesota. I don't remember which one that was, but when they did the tribute to Prince, I liked the the holograph Prince tribute. I liked the halftime show. That was was the last one that I really, really enjoyed. I don't remember who was the the, the main event, but that was the last (laughs) one I enjoyed. Uh, But I thought this was a good one. He spent $7 million of his own money, so that was intriguing because that doesn't happen either. Usually – yeah. These people aren't paying for that. They're not even getting paid. They're making their money after the aftermath of what it is. If you've noticed the weekend has been number one on top 100, the last three days since the Super Bowl. So that that's the money they're making off the benefactor of it. But I thought it was good. He played some of his top hits. He spent a lot of money invested into it. I liked the props. I loved everybody on the field. I thought that was so cool. I thought that was cool.
0: Another thing too. I just want to chime in. I, I didn't know the weekend was one person. Yeah, that was funny. That was yeah. I was was to show you uh, what I've been living under over these past couple of years. But um, all right. The the Kansas City Chiefs, Mahomes barely threw for over 50% in completion percentage. He was sacked three times, had the two interceptions. But granted, he was missing both starting tackles. Eric Fisher, who, by the way, is a former number one overall pick and then Mitchell Schwartz on the other side, a younger brother of former Giant Jeff Schwartz. Mahomes is 6-0 against everyone besides Tom Brady in the postseason, but he's 0-2 against Tom Brady. Uh, and it, he has four career postseason interceptions. All of them are in the big game. Do you think the big game is the hump that Patrick Mahomes is having trouble overcoming? I Because even last year, I know the Chiefs won it, but Mahomes had
1: maybe 10 good minutes in that game.
0: Out of the last quarter,
1: last quarter would save them. If you look at it, it's actually kind of funny. He had almost identical completion stats and yardage to last year's Super Bowl. Last year he completed like twenty six of forty eight. This year was basically the same exact thing. Yep. He threw for two hundred eighty yards last year. He threw for two hundred seventy this year. Had two picks last year and two touchdowns. He had two picks this year. There's almost identical stats. Again, last year is more of just you know, like. New kid on the block, first time experience, and yeah. it was a lot of first times on that team as well. They had never made it that far, a lot of them. This year, again, it's it's hard to judge as much as you want to maybe critique him in individual performance. He's playing hurt. He's got no offensive line. Uh, yeah. The coach is not coaching well. Your, your yeah. tight end and receivers are not catching the ball. It was just an overall terrible performance.
0: And then uh, Daniel from uh, Cage My IQ here. They were without Laurent Duvernay Tardif all year, too. Yep. Yep. Um, And if you guys haven't already, James Kyle, make sure to go subscribe to uh, Daniel and his network at Cage My IQ on Facebook. They put out a bunch of sports content as well. Thank you very much for the comment again. Uh, I do want to say that, uh, you know, Kelsey had 10 catches in this game for 130 yards, and I hate that everyone is saying Kelsey had a good game. Kelsey did not have a good game. That's 10 catches on 15 targets. Half the yards came when the Bucs were sagging off defensively, and he had a couple drops. He didn't have a good game. And the problem was Mahomes had to throw over the middle of the field because the Bucs were preventing the big play. They were taking Tyreek Hill out of the equation. They held him to 73 yards, guys.
1: Yep. No, Tyree kills uh, Tyreek kill Travis Kelsey he had most of those catches in the fourth quarter where it was just garbage time and the chiefs were trying to lose a little bit with yeah. you know some pride put some more numbers on the board at least a touchdown and they couldn't do that. That's where most of those catches came from same from Tyree kill because that's Tom like you alluded to that's when the defense laid off because it was already thirty one into nine at that point with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. What are they going to do in eight minutes
2: yeah yeah.
0: It was a tough game. James, the Chiefs had eleven penalties, including and um, on sportsman like it, it. Just it seemed like they weren't mentally prepared for Tom Brady. They weren't mentally prepared for Todd Bowles and his defense. And one thing that's really underrated that you know we kind of didn't discuss is that uh, you know Tampa Bay. Jason Pierre-Paul won the big game before, back in 46, Mm. against Tom Brady. Those two being on the same team was a little weird. Tampa Bay has a very experienced defense with guys like Damakeng Su, Shaq Barrett, JPP, Levante David, who's been around for a decade now. And then you have the young guns in Devin White, uh, Antoine Winfield, Sean Murphy Bunting, Carlton Davis, those guys. Yep.
3: Well, I'll answer that in a second.
4: Ooh, 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 ooh. I feel like this That's is good. more of
1: a punishment for us than the game.
3: <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> to, to get back to what Tom was asking me before Gabe uh, politely chimed in, um, is that Kansas City, I think what happened was they got, you know how when you get cocky when you beat somebody, or like yes. you know you can flat out beat somebody, they faced some in week 12, and I think having Mahomes having a day in the first half of week 12 and then Hill just going off for 200-plus yards in the first half in week 12, I think that kind of put maybe Kansas City like, oh, if we did that once, we should be able to do it again. High-power offense, high-flying offense. The Bucks clearly studied film from that. Todd Bowles made sure they studied film and went back and was like, this is what we did wrong. We got exposed big time. We're probably going to face them in the big game. And ultimately, that was true, um, that we need to correct this. And they did. And also, Tom, you you said it perfectly, was there's a lot of players on the Bucks defense that are veterans. There's a lot of players on the offense that are veterans. A lot of guys have been in that situation in the big game. Pierre Paul would be one of them. Tom Brady and Gronk on the other. So even for some of the younger guys, they were able to sit down with their respective group on the team and be like, guys, listen, I've been here once. This is how we did it. This is my experience. Let's, let's use that to our advantage where the chiefs only won it last year, but they're probably coming back in like, Oh, we can easily beat them again.
0: Let's, let's take that air from them. Here's one thing I want to mention before I forget. Tampa Bay also has one advantage offensively that people don't realize, and it's very similar to the New England-style model. You don't know which player is going to burst on offense each game. You know who their guys are, but you don't know who is going to go off. For them, it depends on matchups. For the Chiefs, you know who who the two guys are that you have to stop every single game. It's Hill and Kelsey, and yes, of course, Mahomes, but – uh, weapons-wise, skill-player-wise, for the Bucks, you have to worry about so many different players. It can be Evans, Godwin, Brown, Fournette, Jones, Gronk, Brait, and it, Scotty Miller even showed us he could make plays too. Uh, so, yeah, that's definitely one edge that Tampa Bay had that Kansas City didn't. Yeah. I mean, I also called it earlier on Sunday that watch out for A.B. As where my point is, Let's say Mike Evans had a 250-yard 200, game against the Chiefs back in Week 12. He'd have a better chance of doing that again, duplicating that in the Super Bowl than Tyreek would because there's so many other guys you have to account for. You can't say, oh, let's put two guys on Hill or and two guys on Cal. You, you, can't, you can't do that, especially if you drop eight guys back 95% of the
1: game, which is what Todd Bowles did. Well, this uh, is where – this is where I think they faulted because we're saying they don't have the weapons. They, they have the weapons. They just didn't use them. Uh, John saying in the comments, in my opinion, Chiefs didn't use Watkins like they should have. I thought that was going to be an X-Factor. They didn't use him at all. Le'Veon Bell, you brought him over to be a pass-catching running back. He didn't have a single snap in the Super Bowl. What was the purpose of bringing him on this team? That, that could have easily been a threat, especially if you weren't comfortable with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being the running back. You could have had Le'Veon being a dual-threat running back in there as well. Yeah. Demarcus Robinson. Everybody thought that was going to be a big loss. Didn't use him as well. And that's why they were able to win this football game as well. Just bad game planning. They, uh, I think somebody even said this. Uh, they went exactly what they did in week 12 and said, we'll just do the same exact thing. We don't need to change it. We'll beat him off the line of scrimmage. Tyree Kill will beat him off the line of scrimmage, and that'll be it. Travis Kelsey will be open in the middle of the field. And sometimes they were. They just weren't catching passes. Yeah. For the Chiefs, defensively,
0: it was a disappointment, but Frank Clark did have a good game, four tackles, one sack. Tyron Matthew had a big pass interference in the red zone. Rashad Breland had one as well. That cost the Chiefs 34 yards. Both of their penalties were on that last drive of the half, which was kind of the tipping point where you had a feeling, oh, Tampa Bay's probably coming out on top tonight. Uh, yeah, Look, you can never count Patrick Mahomes out of a football game, regardless of what the score is, until the clock has triple zeros. But um, – it was just really tough with the way Tampa was playing defensively. You know, this Super Bowl win for the Bucks it tells us that guys like, I mean, I hate to bring this up on Tampa Bay's night, but Eli Manning are, in my opinion, clearly a first ballot Hall of Famer because of what they were able to do. That's why Peyton was a first ballot. Uh, in fact, the Manning brothers combined are 5-1 against Brady, whether it's in the big game or championship games or like playoff games, you get the point. Everyone else is 2-15 and against Tom Brady. Those two guys are able to do things that none of these other quarterbacks can do, and these are excellent quarterbacks, some of them, going up against Brady. How – I mean, it's just insane. Like beating Tom Brady is an insane feat that not many are able to accomplish. He's the first player to win a ring not in one, two, but three different decades
1: yeah that's part of the reason why i think and you know maybe talk about this quickly as well what does this mean for the legacy of both of these quarterbacks because we know that patrick mahomes is eventually if not already the face of the nfl just based on the right. skill that he has but it I, in my in my book at least it, it closes the book completely closes the window completely on their ever potentially being a conversation again about Patrick Mahomes being greater than Tom Brady. I think it's over. Even if they were to meet again next year, potentially, which I think is also a huge thing, even if he beats him, is he going to be able to get eight? I don't think so. Will he be able to say he beat Tom Brady? Yeah, but he's going to also be able to say that he lost as well, badly. It's one thing to lose. Because in these Super Bowl losses that Tom Brady has had, you know, three to the Giants, what was it, and it was 17, right. 14. And was it 21? 21, 17. So yep. three and four points, you know, little minimal margin, and then eight points to Philly, right? Was it 41 to 33? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Minimal margin. You lost by 22 points to a 43 year old quarterback. That's hard to that's hard to overcome. That's hard to even if you do beat him next year, potentially, if you match right. up against each other. I don't think that goes away. And to piggyback off your point, if
0: Mahomes won on Sunday. The ring count would have been six to two. That is a lot more doable than now seven to one. Because yeah, now yeah. you have to win seven more yeah. to surpass them. You have to win six to tie. And with the way the NFL is going, I don't see that happening. Um you nope. mm-hmm. have a question from Sal. If Gronk doesn't come out of retirement, is the outcome
1: the same? As in, like, do the Bucks still win? I I'm- I I'm going, to say, I'm going to say no, because Gronk was the biggest factor all night. He was running over defenders. He was, you, you were able to contain Mike Evans, one reception. Chris Godwin only had two. Antonio Brown, yes, had five, but minimal yardage, with the exception of that touchdown. Yep. Gronk, they couldn't stop all night, 667 yards and two touchdowns. They couldn't defend against him. They just couldn't do it. Maybe, I don't want to say different outcome, but definitely a closer margin. Definitely a closer margin. Cause I think it would have came down to whatever quarterback had the ball last in the fourth quarter would have won the football game.
0: Yeah. I agree with the latter of what you said. I think the bucks yeah. probably still would have won, but it wouldn't have been as much of a blowout as it was. Cause Brady and Gronk have had chemistry since 2010. Yeah. It's just very tough to outmatch. Um, if Gronk was not on the team, Evans or someone else would have had those yards. I, I do agree with John. Um, but, yeah, I I agree with both of them. I, I mean, I do think Gronk was the X factor, but if he wasn't, somebody else would have been because it's not like Tampa Bay would have just left that position blank. Remember, O.J. Howard was hurt this year. Yeah. So you had him, Braid, and Tanner Hudson. They would have wanted to upgrade and get a better tight end than um, Cameron Braid in there because Braid is approaching 30, and he hasn't really bloomed into the player some thought he would a couple of yeah. years back. But the thing was, see, I, look, Tampa Bay on paper was the team to pick in this game. What was holding a lot of people back was Patrick Mahomes. That's what was holding people back from picking Tom Brady and the Bucks in this game. Because quite frankly, if you look at the numbers, the last four wild card teams to play a one seed in a Super Bowl have all won so, and since 2002. That's 06, the Steelers. 07, mm. the Giants, and then 2010, the Packers, when they were the sixth seed. And now the Bucs do it. And Brady had never won as a wild card. He had never gone all the way as a wild card. And that proved that he doesn't need that first-round pie. He oh. he proved something on Sunday. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying he had stuff left to prove, but he, he did accomplish something. And that oh. was huge. He won three games on the road. Yep. To get a home game for the final one, that's pretty darn impressive. And look who he went through Come Saints, on. Green Bay. His biggest competition was the Washington football
1: team. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Conor? Tell Heineke, baby. He <laughs> threw for the most yards, <laughs> um, the most yards out of all those quarterbacks that Tom Brady uh, played against in the postseason. Uh, so, I'm not kidding.
2: Because so, I had.
0: What? no, sorry, sorry, shoot. No, yeah, I on. had right. the Bucks beating the Saints and I had the Bucks beating the Packers. Yes, I also had the Bucks beating Washington, but Washington wasn't a game where you were so sure the Bucks would win because of Washington's defense yeah. and how good they were. I know the Saints defense was good too, but um yeah, I, I, I still think Washington winning that first one is always the, the toughest. So I was definitely
4: uh Ooh.
1: James, you're killing us. Listen, man,
0: I'm only
3: going this by is, the
1: instructions I was sold. I don't know if we thought this through. But I feel like this is a punishment against us.
3: I yeah. think Gabe's killing us. He keeps appearing on the screen. I yeah, think that's yeah. the problem. You know, yeah, next you week like, we're gonna have, next week we're gonna have to talk to him about that. I'm gonna have to
0: buy. I'm gonna have to buy shoes for him now. Yeah, yeah. He bought shoes for me last week, so
3: very nice.
0: Uh, John Suggs, ninety nine point nine Radio Sports, this morning. One commentator said he would trade Mahomes for Watson and Watt the next day after the uh, Super Bowl. I'm sorry, no way I
1: would trade Mahomes. Why? Why would what? what? Yeah, what? Huh? That's ridiculous. That is the that that is beyond ridiculous. First off, <laughs> JJ Watt is first. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt. But this isn't J.J. Watt of 2012, 2013. This is J.J. Watt aging, uh, massive injuries in the past. That's number one. Watson, Mm -hmm. as much as I advocate for Watson, you already got the number one quarterback in football. What are you trading for Watson for? You're downgrading at that point. You're you're downgrading your team. And, again, you don't need defensive help on the line because that's what J.J. would bring to the table. You need secondary help. That was the reason why they lost this game on the defensive side. Not because they couldn't get the Tom Brady. Because they got the Tom Brady a couple times. They need help in the secondary. I think no. you need
0: both. I, th- I think you need both, honestly. Because, yes, you have Chris Jones long-term. You have Frank Clark, too, long-term. Right, but I don't know. I'm pretty sure Nottie is has one year left on his rookie deal. With the trade for JJ passing known that, that's just, mm-hmm. I think, what the Chiefs should do. I mean, again, I was saying this, they probably need to draft, they probably need to draft either a corner or a defensive lineman, an interior defensive lineman, and edge rusher, just so that they have some depth behind those guys. Because yep. right now, I don't necessarily think they have that depth, I think they need a little bit more depth. Defensively, Not saying that their line is bad. It definitely is not. It's a line that could win you a championship, but you want a little more assurance in case a guy goes down. Sam Cardona. Mahomes didn't have a bad game at all. He wasn't given the time in the pocket. I think we have a different game if Patrick had the time to actually connect with his receivers. Yes, because yeah. none, of, none of us predicted a Bucks blowout. Everybody thought Mahomes would have more time. Um, if Mahomes had hit both of his tackles, uh, you know, I mean, I still looking back at it now, I still think Tampa Bay wins this football game. I really do. Um,
1: Sam, you're absolutely not wrong with that, with that comment. But again, it wasn't even that Mahomes, even though he was able to scramble, make some unbelievable passes, this game would have been way closer if his receivers had catch the ball for him. They didn't catch the ball all game for him. They were dropping passes. That was the, that was the big fact on offense. No, oh, for sure. I like that comment by Sam. And yep. then, Teams
0: to win the coin toss have lost seven straight Super Bowls. Hmm. That's crazy. That is a but fun fact. That is what's a fun even, fact. What's even more crazy is this. Get, get your uh, pen and paper out, folks. The winner of the previous five Super Bowls each had a bye week, one week after the previous winner, dating back to 2016. So the Patriots won with a Week 9 bye week in 2016. Philadelphia Mm -hmm. had Week 10 when they won. New England had Week 11 when they beat the Rams two years ago. The Chiefs had a Week 12 one last year. Tampa Bay had Week 13 this year.
2: Hmm.
1: Hello. Another fun fact real quick because I don't know how much longer we're going to be on the Super Bowl discussion. Every single person that scored a point for Tampa was not on the team before the season. Every single player. Ryan suck up too with the uh, extra points in the field goal. Leonard yep. Fournette wasn't there, Antonio Brown wasn't there, Gronk obviously, and Tom Brady as well.
0: I like that a lot. Yeah. You know what's crazy? Yeah. Sean McCoy was on this team.
1: Yeah, Sean man. McCoy
0: is a back to back Super Bowl champ with the Chiefs last year and now the Bucks this year. He's kind of just like He's that guy in a group project who doesn't do anything.
2: I can't <laughs> so think the
0: credit anyway.
1: I think he Zero snaps. Zero snaps. No, he didn't retire. Oh, yeah? Oh. Yeah. He might go for another one, man. Why he not, knows, right? Man. I got to tell
0: you, some strange world we live in. Uh, yeah. Mr. Irrelevant, Ryan, suck up.
1: <laughs> like that comment. Yeah.
0: yeah. Agreed. Was he actually?
1: Was I think he the so. Last pick of the I believe it was a long time wife. ago. Yeah, he was drafted by the Chiefs a long time ago. That was also a little revenge door for him as well. How many Pats players? I think three for sure. Well, Brady and Gronk,
0: obviously, <laughs> and yeah. Antonio Antonio Brown is the third right there.
4: Yep.
3: Yeah. Uh,
0: I think on offense, it. at least. I don't uh, think on anything offense. on the defensive side of the ball. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. And. Yep, yeah, we get the yeah. confirmation. Um okay. So and again, the last question here is um will either or both of these two quarterbacks return to the big game next year uh based off the team's performance. Uh my take on this is I have to let's wait and see after free agency, after the draft because we know the Rams just went out and got Matthew Stafford and they're going to be an improved football team. I think we have to wait and see. I think if out of these two teams, who has the better shot? It's Tampa Bay. There's no threat to Tampa Bay in my opinion in the NFC outside of LA and Green Bay. Those are the only two teams that I think could potentially knock them off. Other than that, I don't see I don't see anybody doing it. I really don't. I, I mean, you could possibly bring in the 49ers if if they
1: they need to play. make a big move. No, they need to figure out their quarterback situation first. Yeah, I, I. It's just those two teams at that point. Yeah, right now. Yeah, Edelman going to the Bucks next year. I was thinking the same thing, John. That that would be the ultimate the ultimate Patriots revenge tour. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Well, he's a free agent. I think so. He could listen. Signs a one year minimal signing.
0: Yeah, but they, they have their Edelman. They they have their Edelman. They have Scotty Miller.
3: And Miller's willing no. Yeah.
0: Miller's a young kid. He's only twenty three, yes. twenty-four years old. But um Yeah, we anyway, what were your thoughts on the commercials, guys? I, I really I wasn't too impressed. Uh, I, I kinda wish we had like a Betty White one out there, or something That'd
3: like that. That'd be nice. That. They were right. I was lo- we so that Jeep commercial yeah. Me and my friends were like, oh, this has to be – I'm like, oh, it has to be a Jeep commercial. And they're like, why is that? I'm like, well, there's a Jeep in it. And I and I said, that's the only logo you're seeing. And then you're seeing little bits and pieces. And they're like, oh, maybe you're right. And it was – that was a weird commercial. Um,
1: I, I, It's a lot of money for these commercials, though. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, some of the companies are paying like $5.5 million for 30 seconds. Yeah. But – I had a couple ones. I like the M M&M and M commercial. Uh, there was one part where oh. they were like they apologized. The part where she goes, uh, "I'm sorry, I called you Karen," and then she goes back, "Well, my name is Karen." And then she gave her another bag. <laughs> She's like, "I'm sorry, your name is Karen." You know, you yeah. guys obviously know the Karen. That was fantastic. I like the Dorito one with Matthew McConaughey. I thought that was cute. And then the uh... oh. The Cheetos one with Ashton Kutcher, Shaggy, and Mila Kunas. Oh yes, I just, yes, yes, that was so funny. I love that one. People hated that one. I thought that was great. The Sam,
3: Samuel Adams one was different because at first I thought it was one of the Bush, uh, the Budweiser commercials because of the the horses. And I'm like, wait, they said they weren't doing a commercial this year, and it was Samuel Adams, your cousin from Boston. That was pretty funny.
0: Yep. It was definitely an interesting one. I like the Ashton Kutcher one too, but I, I think I would lean towards the M&M one as well. Um, looking back at it now, but uh, we're at the top of the hour. You know what that means,
4: uh,
2: Joey?
0: This is our punishment. Thanks for getting mm-hmm. that out of the way. I think we only we only went nine minutes for that one, so yeah, we that's kind of okay. Got- we kind of jump the gun, so we have we have eleven minutes now. But um, yeah, we're good. I would like to announce myself as the quick picks uh, playoff winner. I thought I nailed a lot of these picks in the playoffs. Um, I think this playoff was. It, it's interesting because when you're picking fewer games, I feel like it becomes easier to pick because you can analyze the teams and the games a lot more. As we're, you know, for example, Super Wildcard Weekend, we're picking six games. Uh, week seventeen, we're picking sixteen games. So, uh, James, I don't know if you have the uh, the the graphic. And yep, um, I'm going to
3: share that right now. Streamer changed the sharing application, so I'm just yes. Bear with me for a second.
0: We have to see um, who the loser was
1: too.
3: Yeah, I, I wonder who that loser is. I think it's Russo for whatever odd reason.
1: Five other people jumped the gun to me.
3: Wait, where is it? I have it up.
1: I don't know. James got to find it, man. Come on, James. Um, oh, it, okay, here we go. All right. All right. So
0: I finished in first, but Gabe finished in second. Gabe jumped from third to second. So Kyle finished in third by one point, and then Hank came the closest to the total amount of points that would be scored in the Super Bowl. So that's why I see the 0-1 for him and the 10 points because what we did, folks, we we picked the game straight and then we also projected the total amount of points that would be scored. So that's mm-hmm. why I see a real discrepancy between Hank and James because James picked the game wrong and also came furthest away from the total amount of points scored. I think you had 68. So James yep. got negative 10 points, went from 14 to 4. Yeah, so that
3: hurt. That hurt. It hurt. I mean, yeah, there I am, the loser. I mean, if maybe Mahomes' wide receivers would, yeah, well, that that's okay. Maybe if Mahomes, I want to cover Russo's wonderful face that everybody gets to look that, at. Buddy. You know, yeah. um, if if I was at the bottom, I would keep it up. But um, if they would, if Mahomes' wide receivers would have caught a pass or two in the end zone, yeah,
1: you know, would have been a little different. But it is what it is. So. And John, John yeah. <laughs> John hitching in the comment section right now. Uh, Viking. John, I don't know why everybody hates Kirk Cousins, man. Look at John, look at Kirk Cousins' stats right now this season and, and tell me that Watson not would have done better, but that Kirk Cousins did a bad enough job for the comment to be made. Yeah. Kirk Cousins, 35 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 105 QBR, 4,200 passing yards, and 67.5 completion percentage. That's pretty damn good. The problem, if you want to knock the contract and the guaranteed money, for sure, 100% agreed with you. But the reason why the Vikings were very bad this season, their O-line stinks, and their defense got significantly younger than it was in the past because they had to let a lot of guys go because of how much money they are paying Kirk Cousins. And trading for Deshaun Watson doesn't help that case either because Deshaun Watson's making, I think, five more million dollars yeah. annually per year more than Kirk Cousins is. That does not help the case.
0: Well, I'm going to make a bold take right now, and I know I'm like seven months early early on this, but barring anything crazy, the Vikings will be back in the playoffs next year, in my opinion, especially if they redo the seven team, which I believe that's part of the new CBA, so they will do seven teams in each conference. Um, And, yes, Gary Kubiak's son will be taking over as offensive coordinator, Clint Kubiak. Uh, So it'll be a similar type of system. Uh, The Vikings have a very old-school offense where they like to run the football, feed Dalvin Cook, feed the chef, as Gabe Flayton would say. Uh, Gabe is a Vikings fan. And then the play-action pass. Kirk Cousins is excellent off the play-action. That's how he thrives. Uh, It'll be interesting to see. But we want to talk about some 2020 NFL awards. Uh, I think we want to start off with uh, the 2021 Hall of Fame. Class, Uh, it was a very interesting reveal. I was happy with a lot of the selections, and I I think when when you think of
1: this class, guys, the first name that comes to mind is Peyton Manning. Yeah. I can't – I mean, this was one of the most decorated classes that I think we've seen in a very long time. This was – I don't think there's really any argument against any of these guys. Uh, Charles Woodson, John Lynch, Peyton Manning. I was so happy for Drew Pearson. He, yes. he he should have been in it such a long time ago yeah. and to have to wait so many years, but he finally got in. I know there's other names I'm missing as well, but those were those are the it's names Calvin that I remember. Johnson. Calvin John, that's Megatron, how do you forget that? Unbelievable player. Had a career again, not I don't want to say wasted, but Detroit just he if he if he decides to play, I respect him in the fact that he only wanted to play for Detroit and that's why I think he retired ultimately, but If he came onto another team, man, that would have been a huge factor for a team. So
0: let's hone in a little bit
1: on Peyton Manning.
0: He was a two-time Super Bowl champion, the MVP of Super Bowl 41, and he was a five-time NFL MVP, two-time Offensive Player of the Year, 14-time Pro Bowler. These are just some of his accolades. Uh, Seven-time first-team All-Pro. He holds the record for most passing touchdowns in a season – He actually broke the record twice. He had the one year where he had, uh, I believe, 48 or 49, and then he had the 55 one with the Broncos. He also had the most passing yards in a season, and he holds – well, he's tied for the record with seven touchdown passes in a single game. Um, If we're talking about just flat out knowing a playbook and intellectuals Peyton Manning's probably the best there ever was. we're just talking about those two factors right there. I don't think there was a quarterback out there that's smarter than Peyton Manning. You can make the argument, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, but Peyton Manning is absolutely insane. He deserved to be a first ballot hall of famer. He played in the league for 17 years and coming back after his brutal neck injury, that was a huge inspiration. And he was well locked into the hall of fame before that, but It's a shame. Peyton Manning, he was not a
1: good postseason quarterback. That was his one knock throughout his career. Yeah, no, he wasn't good in the postseason. He wasn't good in the Super Bowl. I know the most memorable one for me because even in the last Super Bowl that they played against Carolina, he really wasn't that much of a factor. It was more of a defensive-led team, and Peyton Manning was just the quarterback at the time. He knew he was retiring, but when they played Seattle, that was just – that was that was awful. And then yeah. back in the day when they played the Bears, you know, that was obviously good. And I think they played the Saints too. That's when they lost to the Saints as well. That was not a good Super Bowl either. But he was definitely a great quarterback. Like you said, Tom, that's the only knock against him in his career. He's just not good in the postseason.
3: Yeah. Paint Manning could read a defense with one – with a half an eye open and still make a phenomenal throw. Omaha. Omaha. Oh my yeah. God! We said it. Remember in the Super Bowl in that one Super Bowl, I think like way I, like I got a Facebook uh, memory two 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 three days ago. Like, it said, "How many times do you think Omaha will be said in the in the in the Super Bowl?" And I'm like, oh, "Yeah, that's right." And because I, I think one game it was called, he said it like 47 times or whatever. Yeah. Um, so he's obviously he's been missed. I missed seeing him play, um, but I'm glad he's in the Hall of Fame. He
0: downright deserves it
3: um,
0: for what she's done. Absolutely. I think Charles Woodson's another guy, too, I want to get into next, a man who had 13 career defensive touchdowns. That's insane. Um, scored more touchdowns than some offensive players did in the league. Um, started and ended his career with the Raiders, spent the middle of his career with Green Bay for about seven, eight years. Uh, he was a Super Bowl champion. Nine-time Pro Bowler, uh, and mm-hmm. by the way, his Super Bowl was with the Packers. He's a former NFL Defensive Player of the, of the Year, 65 career interceptions, and over 1,100 tackles. Um, I think Charles Woodson is one of the best defensive backs of all time.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's you know he's in the conversation when you're talking about Dion as well, Deion Sanders in terms of defensive backs. I know Dion was more of a, a safety DB and Charles Woodson was yeah. more of a corner, but Unbelievable cornerback.
0: Hank. What's up, Hank? Uh Peyton and Woodson were no brainers, as was Megatron. I also think the selection of Fanica was solid too. But of course, Pearson and John Lynch were definitely overdue. Agreed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I I, I like that a lot. Um anything else on Charles Woodson, guys? Nope. No. Great player. Another you know. Not arguing with this selection this year. So. <laughs> no, not at all. The next guy is John Lynch. John Lynch won a Super Bowl with the Bucks. Uh, <laughs> oddly enough, he was part of that last Bucks team to win it. But he finished his career with the Denver Broncos. He was a nine time Pro Bowler and he made the Pro Bowl in all four of his seasons with Denver. So he spent majority of his career with Tampa, but finished in Denver his last four years. Made the Pro Bowl all of his, you know, usually tend to drop off, but not John Lynch. He was a two-time first team all pro, had over a thousand career tackles and twenty-six interceptions, guys.
3: Phenomenal. I mean, it doesn't he own a team now, too?
1: Or is no, he, no, he doesn't own a team. He's GM. the executive uh, GM yeah. for, for Niners. Four Niners That's what uh, right, I meant. Yeah. Hey guys.
3: Yeah, I was kinda of holding off for another minute, but all right.
1: Hold on.
4: Oh, 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 oh.
1: Ooh, 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 ooh. James, you could hold off for another 20, 30 minutes if you want as well, man. If you forget, it just slips the mic. Um, all right. Well, we only have to do it
0: four, four or more times. <laughs> <laughs> after show. Um,
4: uh,
0: Gabe Flayton, um, yeah, he, he lives up close to, to the North Pole, not too far, about an hour north from us. Yeah, they yep. got more snow today. I think too. They, so they more snow up there. They they got it. They got a few inches. So.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, Thoughts on John Lynch, guys?
1: Again, there's uh, we're going to go through all these names. There's no argument here with anybody. There's yeah. really not. I, I just agreed upon the fact with Hank that you know guys like Pearson and John Lynch a little too old, a little too long overdue. This this that's a, that's a hot take right with there. That, that's a that is a hot right take. That is a debate. Because that was the same thing with Kelly. I mean. I don't actually. This is where it gets interesting with Kelly because Kelly really wasn't bad in these Super Bowls. It was a lot of lackluster plays by a lot of the other players within his team. The yeah. infamous fumble by the running back who's escaping my name, Thurman Thomas. Uh, uh, who fumbled the ball when Chad Beebe goes to tackle a Dallas defensive lineman? That was another lackluster play. Uh, Norwood missing the field goal. This was – it really wasn't him. You know, a lot of these were out of – they were out of his out control. Out of his control,
0: yeah. 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 Um, although, I mean, everyone's going to argue, well, if Kelly made more plays, they wouldn't have been in that situation. I mean, I i understand that, but he, he – he, he gave them a chance to win. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think Lynch is well-deserved. Uh, I would probably go with Peyton in that ar- in that argument because I of go the ring factor. Um, yeah. Thanks for that comment, Sal. Next up is Calvin Johnson. And crazy, he's been retired for five years already, and he's only 35 years old. He's a, He was a six-time crazy. Pro Bowler, six-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro, uh, holds the record for most receiving yards in a season, 1,964 in 2012, where he had 122 catches, And he holds the record for most consecutive games with 100 yards receiving. Actually, I think it's tied now with Adam Thielen. Eight games. Megatron was the guy in the late 2000s, early 2010s. There was no stopping that man. He was humongous. You drafted him in Madden all the time when you did a fantasy draft. Uh, He was probably the best wide receiver of this past decade that we just came out of, in my opinion. He was just so good. You know, he was riddled with injuries a little bit, but, you know, he really was something special, guys. It, he gave Matthew Stafford, uh, you know, a lot of good plays, a lot of good connections from them. They did make the playoffs once, I think, during their tenure there
1: as, yeah, as a they unit. Played, they played yeah. Green Bay. That was the infamous play where Ndamukong Suh, like, stepped on Aaron Rodgers' helmet or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Too. I remember that playoff game. But yeah, that was again. It was just another wasted. I don't want to say wasted career. I hate saying that, but such a good player, just never really in a good team situation. Oh, you're it's, right.
3: it, he also, in my opinion, not that it's he. I mean, his all his injuries, but it stinks. He kind of retired too early because he, yeah, was he retired really 35. early. So realistically, imagine if he didn't retire and he plays say another. Three to five years, those yeah. stats would be out the book. You know, especially with the young quarterbacks that we see in the league now. Um, but hey, good for him, happy for him. So
2: yeah,
0: no, I definitely agree. I think he was an excellent player, only playing eight seasons. Next up is Alan Fanica, a longtime Pittsburgh Steeler, played from nineteen ninety-eight to two thousand ten, uh, ended his career with the Jets and the Cardinals. Uh had two years with the Jets, his last season with the Cardinals, a Super Bowl 40 champion, six-time first-team All-Pro, nine-time Pro Bowler for nine straight seasons, had 201 career starts. This guy was good. He was an anchor. He was one of the best left guards ever, and he was mean. He, he was a mean player. I mean, he really wasn't mean, but uh, – that Jets offense, when Favre was there, he was a good player to line up next to a young center, Nick Mangold. Mangold's career kind of took off because of Alan Fanica playing next to him for those couple of years. So I think this was well-deserved. I know he wasn't a first ballot guy, but I'm glad he's in.
4: Yeah, no,
1: absolutely. He was a, yeah, he was a big part of the reason why the bus Jerome Bettis, was able to have a lot of success as yeah. well.
0: And played Played with Big Ben for a few years. Yep. So he was good. Next up is Drew Pearson. Had a 33-year wait, a senior member of the Hall of Fame. He was the only member of the NFL's 1970s all-decade team not to be inducted. He played mm-hmm. for the Cowboys from 73 to 83, and he was a Super Bowl champion. I believe Super Bowl 12, for the Cowboys. Also a three-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro.
1: The original 88, the original 88, before yes. Michael Irvin. He helped back a lot, Roger
0: Staubach. He was part of the reason why he became what he did. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. Yep. A little bit before all of our time here, but, um, yeah, this Pearson guy definitely deserved to be in. He's definitely an excellent <laughs> player. I watched a couple clips on him before the show. He definitely deserves to be in the Hall. Tom Flores was the head coach of the Oakland slash L.A. Raiders from 1979 to 1987. He was the head coach of the Seahawks from 92 to 94. He's a four-time Super Bowl champion. He won Super Bowl four as a player. That was with the Chiefs against the Minnesota Vikings.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Super Bowl eleven as an assistant coach. Super Bowl fifteen XV and eighteen as a head coach for the Raiders. Definitely deserves to be in. I believe he's eighty three now, so you know he's an old guy. And you know he helped the Raiders franchise become what they were. He put them on the map. You know, yeah. Ken, yep. Ken Stabler,
1: man, that, that was a good, that was a good combo right there. Yeah, no, he had a uh, over five hundred win percentage. so That was great postseason. He was phenomenal, over seven twenty five percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fantastic. Deserved to be in.
0: 100%. And then the last one is Bill Nunn, six-time Super Bowl champ as a scout for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was a scout from 1968 to 2014.
3: Wow. Oh, wow. that's crazy. He saw the progression of the game then. He saw yeah. how it changed, which which is actually pretty cool to think about it, at least from my end. It's like yeah. you saw what it was and then saw in 2014 how it completely did almost a one eighty three sixty to what it is today,
1: which yeah. is phenomenal. Getting to watch me and Joe Green and Lynn Swan and Terry Bradshaw when they dominated all the way up to Big Ben.
0: Yep. Um, All right. So um, what are we up to now? NFL Awards. NFL Awards. Yep. So Aaron Rodgers wins MVP, then announces that he's engaged. Whoa. (laughs) Um, And – Yeah, I mean, I think we all saw this coming. I mean, he pretty much won it. He was pretty much the reason why Mahomes lost it this year. Yeah, Uh, Rodgers had the best year by far out of all the quarterbacks in the league. And I think when you talk about the most valuable player, Rodgers defines that because without him, Green Bay is clearly not a playoff football team.
1: Yeah, no, they're not. They're absolutely not. The the, the ability to use the resources around them, because, again, the storyline was – Green bay disrespects Aaron Rodgers for the entirety of the season because they didn't draft anything necessarily to help him this year, and yet he yeah. still put up the numbers he did.
3: He he yeah. learned to get faith in his other guys around him. Well he was forced to have faith in his well, other yeah, guys. But really. I think that but that's gonna help him because then I mean you need you need to have faith in the other guys besides Adams.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know? and we saw that. Robert Tanya in ten touchdowns. Yeah. Thirty seven years old, forty eight touchdowns. Five picks. That's and what's a incredible. Seventy-one percent completion percentage. Phenomenal. At thirty-seven years old. And to some of these modern-day quarterbacks, that's not that old anymore. If you think about it, quarterbacks <laughs> when you're are
1: playing into their forties now. Now when you got Tom Brady and Drew Brees, who's yeah,
0: you know, maybe, maybe 40, longer. But... Another five years.
3: Yeah,
2: We'll see. see. And then, oh, right,
3: well, Gabe, that was a short one. Geez, I guess he's getting tired of doing it too, <laughs> man. All righty. So, Ames. I think we're, yeah, <laughs> all
0: right. We're on to Derrick Henry now, and Derrick Henry, offensive player of the year. I think that was a given. We all knew he was going to get that, a beast leading that. Third ranked Tennessee offense into the playoffs. Unfortunately, they couldn't get past the wild card round. But Henry, he's been the best back in the league for the past two years. He really is a hog in there, and you can't tackle that man.
1: He's something special. That, he was something special up until the uh the Ravens playoff game. He was unbelievable. Well deserved as well. Yeah. I like that. Um being honest.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know what? Before we move on from another thing about Derrick Henry, too, that we should bring up, the 17 touchdowns. 2,000 rushing yards, 17 <laughs> touchdowns. We almost bypassed those stats. Like, that's insane. That's unheard of for a modern-day running pack. Uh, what do they call him? Tractor Though Something like that? He's basically a tractor. That's what he is. He's a tractor heard that one before. I'm trying to yeah. six 6'3", 250 pounds, coming out. Yeah, Boom! you ain't tackling Derrick Henry so easily.
3: You are getting thrown and getting memed for the week. That's true. You're becoming the latest meme. I mean, he yeah. he he I mean, when he eventually retires and stuff, he's going to be known for just running over people and stiff arming people like Dude, the
1: stiff arms are insane. Josh Norman yeah. and Earl Thomas will tell you for sure. <laughs> right. So next we
0: have defensive player of the year is Aaron Donald, and this might uh, might spark some controversy here. He had 13 and a half sacks, 28 quarterback hits, four forced fumbles in 16 games started, and a lot of people were unhappy about this, wanted T.J. Watt to win defensive player of the year, who T.J. Watt, Had 15 sacks, two forced fumbles, 23 tackles for loss, and 41 quarterback hits.
1: Yeah. comments. I mean, again, if it was any other player, I'd say, of course. And I was on the board with T.J. Watt. I think I actually in the beginning of the season predicted that T.J. Watt was going to be my defensive player of the year. But it's Aaron Donald, guys. You know, this is generational talent right now. Again, even though the, the the margin between the differentiation and stats that TJ put up and he put up are minimal. And I know that people say that this award is decided before the postseason, but I think that a big factor in that, considering was you go back and watch that Green Bay game in the playoffs against the Rams. Aaron Donald didn't play more than fifty percent of the snaps. He plays that, it's a whole different ball game. That's how perennial type of talent that he is and the impact type of player that he is where you saw that one piece on defense. Even though Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, the MVP, even though they're playing at Lambeau Field, even though Jared Goff and we saw the outcome of that, they were missing that piece. They couldn't get to the quarterback all game long. Not one time. I mean, I love Donald. I think Watt got robbed here, guys. I think they should have gave it
0: to Watt. I think that would have been my pick personally. Um, Donald would have been second for me. Donald's already won it the two previous years, I believe. So yeah, this is his um, third. Yeah, I, yeah. just yeah. Uh, Why check off all the boxes? Both players deserved it for sure. There, there's no debating that. At least. So yep. moving on to Justin Herbert winning Offensive Rookie of the Year, and this one hurt. This one hurt because a lot of people wanted Joe Burrow. And John Suggs has a comment. Justin Herbert, Offensive Rookie of the Year, 41 votes out of 50, crushed a few rookie records and didn't start until week three. Know who came in second with nine votes? Justin Jefferson.
1: Uh, listen, I don't, again, there's no argument here. Tom, I know you're bringing up Joe Burrow, but him getting hurt, it's unfortunate. But that's the reason why Justin Herbert was ultimately able to, you know, yeah. overcome what yeah. Joe Burrow had done in his first – I think he got hurt in week nine or something like that. So – yeah. He's overcoming. And he broke all the rookie quarterback records. Most passing touchdowns. Only how many interceptions he had? He only had like seven interceptions, something. Ten. Ten. Ridiculous for a rookie. Yeah. And
0: he didn't throw one the last three games either. So that was crazy. Three three of them came in his first three starts. So, and he got this Chargers team six wins. He was six and nine. This year, as a starter, completed over 66% of his passes through for over 4,300 yards. And Justin Herbert was a guy who has been talked about as a potential draft pick for so many different teams over the last couple of years. And now he's finally in the league doing great things. You love to see it. Uh, Moving on, defensive player, uh, defensive rookie of the year, excuse me, uh, Chase Young. This man's an animal, and he's a big part
1: of the reason why. The Washington football team made the playoffs this year. At defensive front, <laughs> with the likes of Chase Young, man, I mean perennial. We talk about perennial players. I think he's put himself even in his first year potentially in that conversation as well. Chase
3: Young, he, he's on a different planet when it comes to that defense. I, isn't he already exactly. a captain? He's, yeah, he's a captain, he's a captain right? Already. Yeah. So Chase Young is going to be. At least in my mind, the next Aaron Donald, the next type of guy like that where he'll make an impact on and off the field. You even sort when he's standing on the sidelines and stuff for Washington Um, to be named a captain right away. Phenomenal. Um, I'm actually looking forward to what he does next year. Um, So
0: Uh. Kyle Russo, sticking with the Washington football team, Alex Smith wins comeback player of the year, and it was pretty remarkable he was able to uh, get onto a football field. I think before the season start, I kind of thought it would have been Ben Roethlisberger, but I don't think we were expecting Smith to come back the way that he did.
1: No, and the minute that he stepped on the football field, that uh, that award was won. That award was won by Alex Smith. Just the story, the fact that now you're hearing stories that, you know, he could have not only lost his leg, but died. It was, it's absolutely unbelievable that he was able to put back on the pads and take a team to the playoffs. Yeah. He said, I just would have loved to have seen what he would have done against Tom Brady. That would have been a nice, interesting matchup as well. I agree. James, any thoughts on Alex? Alex, if even if he doesn't play next season,
3: to f- the fact that he came back, I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the award ceremony. They did like little bits and clips of everybody but to see what yeah. he went through just even get up in the morning like to actually like r- kind of re-teach his leg on how to walk is yeah. phenomenal that's just dedication that many players and many people don't have and he wanted to get back on the field I mean you start Aaron Donald jump on his back at one game and be like yeah his legs like fine like Alex Smith it was, was- Alex Smith is built different and if he doesn't come back with Washington um, they should definitely use him in a different role to at least motivate their players because he would be a great motivational person.
0: Yeah um, I agree or a potential mentor for the quarterback who comes in next year for them, but the last award we're going to discuss is the coach of the year that was awarded to Cleveland Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski. The Browns went 10-6. and They made the playoffs, advancing to the divisional round, beating the Pittsburgh Steelers in round one uh, before their season ended in a loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Stefanski was a big part in Cleveland's success this year in his first year at the helm. Uh, I was I kind of felt like it was going to go to him. I would have preferred it seen to go to McDermott, but it's hard to argue against Stefanski when he brought a team in the Browns who hasn't been to the playoffs in nearly 20 years to their first playoff appearance, not only make the playoffs for the first time, to win a playoff game. Yeah. It's your division rival. That's impressive yeah. right there.
1: No doubt. No I can't, I can't argue too. it. No, you can't. It, it's hard. It's hard to mm-hmm. –
3: And especially, I'll I'll finish my comment. Gabe can wait 30 seconds. Um, Especially for having COVID and then trusting his whole coaching staff. I'm sure he left them with instructions. But being a coach and able to trust his coaching staff when he was home, had no contact with them, just shows that he's a coach that instilled in within his coaching staff, this is the game plan we're following. We're not going off of it, So, which is phenomenal to see. Um oh, oh here's Gabe guys. He wants to say something. Oh,
4: oh, oh. oh, oh, oh. oh, oh, oh.
0: Thanks Gabe. We have two more.
4: It's like
1: That's painful. <laughs>
0: it's
1: like painful we at this, this point.
0: St- yeah, we really didn't think this one through. No. <laughs> maybe we'll clip something and put it on social media we'll we'll figure something out. Um yeah, yeah you can't argue the fan but uh, last other couple awards, other notable ones. Uh, Russell Wilson won Walter Payton Man of the Year, and Brian Dabble won Assistant Coach of the Year. Definitely well deserved there. And, um, fortunately, some sad news today in the NFL world the passing of former NFL head coach Marty Schottenheimer at the age of 77. He had been battling Alzheimer's,
2: yeah,
0: has been dealing with it for the last few years. And, uh, Marty was an excellent. Excellent head coach for the Browns, the Chiefs, formerly known as the Redskins, the Chargers. Great guy too. A lot of players like playing for. Him.
1: A lot of players love them. They love them. I mean, Drew Brees was emotional today on social media. Ladanian Tomlinson. I don't know if you guys saw, but you know they showed his Hall of Fame Hall of Fame speech, and he basically dedicated his career and you know the success that he had to Schottenheimer as well. Um, you know, I know a couple of Redskins fans as well who grew up back day, and they just, you know, that was their guy. They 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 loved Marty Schottenheimer and what he did. They never won, obviously, a ring because I don't think he ever won a Super Bowl. But everybody they had ever played for him, they loved him.
2: So,
0: I agree. He was a great head coach. Uh, you know, he was a good part of the Chargers. I mean, when I was growing up, I remember him being the head coach of the Chargers, and it was a tough team to beat. It was a tough team to beat. He was an excellent uh, football coach. John Suggs says Gabe should not be able to come back for at least a month. Uh, You might be seeing Gabe in a couple of weeks from now, making a guest appearance, John. (laughs) Hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully there's no more ho-ho-hos going on then. But other news, the Colts hire former Jets center Kevin Mawai to be their assistant offensive offensive line coach. So that's a good hiring for Colts. Hall of Famer.
1: Hall of Famer to coach a Hall of Fame offensive line. I mean, it doesn't. That's what you like to hear. That was a good one,
0: actually. That was a good one. Um, All right, so that's going to wrap up NFL. We're actually going to transition into some baseball stuff. I know Met fans are not too happy with Trevor Bauer signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers on a three-year, $102 million deal. Kyle, can you break down the analytics of this deal for Trevor
1: Bauer? In the first two years, Trevor Bauer has instantly become the highest-paid player in baseball. By a large margin, the highest paid right now, annual average is Mike Trout with 36. He's making 40 in the first year, Trevor Bauer, 45 in the second. And then last year's 18, I want to say. The best part about this contract is that, and I cannot believe the control in which the Dodgers gave him, he has opt-outs after every single year, guys. So he can make more and more and more money. He will stay, obviously, for two years because nobody's going to give him that kind of money. But after the, third, after the second year, he could opt out and sign a massive long-term contract because I believe he's only 29, 30 years old this year. So this is one of the biggest contracts ever. Do the Dodgers have to do so? No, as reigning World Series champions. But what they just did is they just kept their name at the top of the conversation over the course of the next two years with that pitching rotation of Clayton Kershaw, Trevor Bauer, Walker Buehler, Dustin May, the list goes on along and on top of all the bats that they have as well. They kept them at the top. Too much money. Yeah, and
0: if you're a Mets fan, yeah, I think it is way too much money, especially if you're a Mets fan. I mean, people are saying the, the Mets won this by not getting them. I don't really agree with that, especially now that you have the richest owner in baseball in Steve Cohen. You wanted to go out and get this guy and prove that you're one of those teams that's going to be a threat every year to sign somebody and improve your team. Um, yeah, Bauer's not worth that much money, no player is, but um, he did apologize to the team on Twitter. Again, this there's a little controversy because how did you not know your marketing company over a course of 3 to 4 days was saying like this whole thing where he had he was selling stuff
1: with him in Mets gear and everything, like it He was like- selling he was selling signed baseball caps of Mets and Dodgers on uh, hmm. on his page on his merchandise page the night beforehand. Oh, the morning of, actually. Yeah. Stupid.
0: I'm I'm not a huge Twitter person, but if you look up Trevor Bauer Twitter, you can see the full detailed message of what he says to Met fans. He's going to be donating to four different uh, Queens County charities. One of them is the Variety Boys and Girls Club of Queens, which I actually interned there about eight years ago (laughs) Um, when I was in high school, actually. But, yeah, um, there was three others as well. But um yeah, so you know, he he seems like a seems like he felt bad about it. He felt bad because people were um the truth was twisted, which was never a good yeah. look on him for his agent, not a good look either. So no. But um it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting for the Mets, and we'll get into them in just a moment. Um, I do. I just want to say, James, you were. I think you were bringing this up to me last night. The MLB and the Players Association they've reached on an agreement on health and safety protocols for this season. Yes. So, what so will mean is, I'll 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 let you explain that what this will mean. So, weeks before
3: they're figuring out if there was still going to be the seven inning doubleheader. Um, and a few other and universal DH. so this is what I found out last night um MLB and the Players Association have reached an agreement on health and safety protocols for the season seven inning double headers and modified extra inning rules with runners starting on second base base, both return for which will return this was in place for last season it's coming back for this season universal DH up in the air still as owners want expanded playoffs so Ultimately, for what we saw last season, for the COVID-shortened season, um, everything's coming back. The seven-inning doubleheader, the the man starting on second base, um, the only thing that is left at this point is figuring out the expanded playoffs and a universal DH, which for some teams, a universal DH might help, might hurt, um, at least for the Mets. It might not hurt because we have pitchers that can hit, um, but it's it's some interesting news coming out. Considering spring training, I believe is now. Uh, I'm sorry, pitchers and catchers report in less than nine days or so around that time frame. So, good stuff to see from baseball getting back into it.
0: No, absolutely, I definitely agree, but. Um... John, with this comment here, MLB also just said they will slightly deaden baseballs, so four to seven feet shorter.
1: Huh? What does it mean? Shorten the span of the mound to the, to, play? to the batter's box? That's what I would think by that. They're going to move up the mound? Baseballs, so. I don't know what that means, shorten, slightly yeah. deaden the baseballs. Not, not too sure what that means, mm-hmm. but uh, – so. Let's talk about some of
0: the transactions they've made. Sal says the Mets have had a great offseason. Now sign another starter, and at some point add another lefty in the bullpen. Well, what the Mets did, they went out, they got uh, Trevor May, Aaron Loop, a lefty uh, from Tampa Bay. And now, I mean, you should probably bring back Justin Wilson at this point. So I think the free agent signing of Albert Almora, again, this guy is 26 years old. It's a one-year deal. He did not have the best 2020, but the year prior in 2019 was when he had his best full season, 12 Mm -hmm. home runs, 32 RBIs. This guy spent five seasons with the Cubs. Uh, What do we think of the signing, James?
3: I'm looking forward to it. It's not, I mean, it's not Jackie Bradley, you know, um, but it's he's serviceable one year, high risk, not lower reward, high, However, the no, saying low, goes: low
1: low risk, high reward.
3: Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Um, we didn't spend that much wow. on him. Um, it kind of solidifies almost that outfield because you got him, Conforto, and Nimo, um, and then whoever else they want to switch in and out. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I know his numbers weren't up, uh, last year, but listen. Last year was just a complete messed-up year for every player in baseball, so I give that year a pass. So looking forward to what he brings to us. And there goes Kyle.
0: Oh, okay. We will try to get Kyle back Alrighty. in uh, just a moment, try to get him back up in here. And he is back backstage. We'll bring him back up. Hey, Kyle. <laughs> I, I accidentally clicked something on my computer. I don't know. but Nice, nice. Yeah. It happens. It work. It but you work. return. That's all that matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, so, yeah, I don't think – Jackie Bradley wanted way too much money. I don't yeah. think he's worth that type of money. Um, what does the outfield look like with Al Mora, James? I think you're right. He will probably he might start in center field, and you put Nimmo and Conforto out there. Yeah. Um, what are they saying? Conforto in left or Nimmo in left? I don't know what people – Conforto in
1: left. I think left. Conforto in left.
0: would make more sense, yeah. yeah. Put Nimmo in right, and then – Dom Smith can be a backup if needed um, to play right or left. And then that's what I think it'll look like right now. I mean, they probably won't bring Marisnik back, but No, uh, probably not. Uh, no. But we do have to bring someone else back right now. Oh yes.
3: Yes, yes, we do. oh,
4: oh, 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 oh
1: to think. If I had clicked the button a little later, I would have missed that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Another signing the Mets made, they signed infielder Jonathan Villar to a one-year, $3.5 million deal. Uh, Played on both Miami and Toronto last year, but he had a career year in 2019 where he played in all 162 games, 24 home runs, 73 ribbies, and one hundred and seventy six hits. I, I I like the signing, especially for a one year three and a half million utility guy like that. That's something we need right now.
1: Yeah. And he's uh, a he's a first baseman too, right?
0: Uh no. Uh he can play first, but I think he's more he of a like- second, third. And John with his comment here, uh, dude is below average. What do you mean? Wait, where?
1: This one, yeah. Oh, that one, okay. Again, John, he's not gonna, he's probably not gonna hit the field. It's just depth. That's a good guy to have in terms of depth. You're not gonna see him much often, Mm -hmm. but that's a good guy to have, I would think so. Yeah,
0: especially to pinch hit.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and the amount of hits he gets, you know,
3: just get the ball in contact is what the Mets need on some days. Um, get the ball in play and have your bigger bats come in and make the plays. So, yeah.
0: 176 hits. Everything That's a more lot than a hit a game. Yeah. That's a lot, guys. Yep. Yeah. Uh if, so, if somebody goes down, he's your everyday starter somewhere.
3: Yeah. Which would be good.
0: Baseball is on the horizon. Pitchers and catchers report in almost a week. And there's rumors will Conforto sit out if he wants a new contract. He's not sitting out. He's not that no. type of guy. No. 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 No, he's not,
2: he's out.
3: not. No. I think it, the only thing that will happen is is negotiations will stop and they'll just pick up either mid-season or the off-season. If nothing works out, you'll try the free agent market.
0: John posted a link here. Chicago Sun-Times, MLB dead in baseballs amid Home run, There it is, if you're interested in reading about that four to seven feet dead-end ball thing. So that'll be interesting to speculate. But uh, so we're actually going to transition now from baseball to basketball. We're just going to talk about the Knicks' heat quick. Kyle, your Miami Heat are playing the Knicks tonight. But before we get there, uh, the Heat beat the Knicks on Sunday. Bam at a bio, 24 points, 11 boards. And Jimmy Butler had near triple-double. Numbers. What are your thoughts on him returning to the Heat in that lineup? He's 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 getting there.
1: I mean, that was a, a major contribution to why the Heat were losing so many games because he only he started off the first six and then COVID, you know, infiltrated the entire Miami Heat organization. Hit Avery Bradley as well. Uh, hit Tyler Hero, I believe, at one point in time as well. But Jimmy's obviously the main sticking point. He's one of the best two-way players in the NBA, and he's proven to be clutch. You know, forget about the bubble yeah. last year. He's proven to be clutch as well. Uh, big win against the Knicks. It may not sound as a big win, but against one of the best defensive teams in baseball, the Miami Heat were able to score on this team 109 points, and Jimmy was a big contribution as well uh, in one of his returning games. This is only like the third or fourth game uh, since he's come back that he's played. Uh, For the Knicks' stance of things, uh, the Knicks have dropped off a little bit in play. Uh, they've been great defensively, but as John just uh, stated, or I'll state actually, the Knicks just traded for D Rose yesterday. Uh, they traded Dennis Smith Jr., who was in their G League, so not a part of their future, in a second round pick to the Pistons for Derek Rose, which I think is a major acquisition. You know, again, it's another one of Thibodeau's guys. Derek Rose having a lot of success under Thibodeau, getting the most out of him. It'll be interesting to see how he works into the lineup, though. Does that mean that you take more minutes away from Alfred Payton, who's succeeding? Do you trade him potentially? Uh, but that's going to help them. That's going to help them. That's going to be a spark plug on offense, potentially, whether they look to bring him off the bench, I would assume so, to work them into the starting. But Derrick Rose is a guy that's averaging around 14 points with the Pistons this season, and he's not starting. So that's a good addition for them.
0: Yeah, I know Paul Lombardi will talk more about that tomorrow on the 3 and D show, all things basketball. We'll plug that again before we sign off tonight. But, uh, yeah, I think – Sunday was a rough game for the Knicks. Uh, Randall was good. He's been their best player this year so far, Julius Randall, He's been outstanding. 26 points, 13 boards, and 7 assists. He's been like a point forward for the Knicks. Kind of fun to talk about that. And then Reggie Bullock, 21 points all from deep, 7 of 14 from downtown, and 4 steals. He's a nice
1: plug-and-play guy to have for the Knicks as well. Uh,
0: speaking of the Knicks, I believe they're playing
1: now. Right. Yeah, they're playing the heat right now. The heat are up fifty seven to fifty five at the half. Nice. Well, so close, close game. Yep. They were both close. Uh the last game was close as well.
3: So you're telling me if Knicks win tonight, they will win 12 games. Is
1: that correct? James, your prediction will be wrong, correct? Shucks. Not yet. Yeah, not yet. Yeah, they no, can totally go on a fifty five game losing streak. It's definitely <laughs> possible. Um I don't think this team will though. That's that's the thing, that they're built
0: different. Well, yeah. I think it's probably going to end Friday. Uh, Knicks will be at the Wizards on Friday night. The Wizards are 6-15, one of the worst teams in the league. And then Saturday, they host the Rockets, who are 11-12. and 12.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. is actually playing tonight off the yep. bench. In 10 minutes, has 10 points, one rebound, and three assists, and a steal. Some really, really solid numbers. Well, that's yes. pretty good.
0: It's been a good contributor for them. So, all right, last fifteen minutes of the show. We're gonna talk about some hockey boys. Oh man, pain in my back after last night. Rangers <laughs> Islanders, that was brutal. Um uh, man. Uh, <laughs> What's
3: so funny? No, no, no. The way Russo was laughing. The way you uh the way you brought
0: into things, the intro. Yeah. Man, that was
1: uh all
0: right. Yeah. Those blue shirts dropped to four, five, and two. Two nothing loss to the Isles. Sizikas and Martin each had a goal. It was Martin's first of the the season. Martin also had an assist. So two points total for him. And what pained me was that Shusterkin was really good in the first, second period. The Rangers controlled the puck most of the the first period, but then the Islanders just took off in the third. Both their goals
1: were scored in the third period. They yep. scored within, what was it, James, like two minutes of each other, a two-minute margin, yeah. both the goals? Yeah, two, three-minute margin, yep. The Matt Martin goal just kind of slid right in, uh, right under Shashurkin's pad, and then the Sezikis goal was also right in within the crease. So that was that was also a hard goal to defend against. So I can't really knock Shashirkin too much. Just, you know, it was a great game. It was a great game. Uh, this is not a knock against the Rangers whatsoever. As an Islander fan, it's fun to watch, but it's no knock against the performance in which he had because he did have a great game. He did look like a really, really good goalie in that game. Uh, but switching it was a, to, Go, James. Yeah,
3: shoot. It was a clean game. Not That's many true. penalties were called, so which was nice because the, there was no stoppage of play. It was more of a consistent, ongoing basis, ongoing uh, play. There's guys out there for a lot longer than their shifts, especially on the Islanders at some points. Um, and then... Well, we don't face you guys. Tom, your pain's going to go away. I can tell you why. We won't face you guys. Uh, We do not see you guys until April. So
1: no no more shutouts. Yeah, at least to April. You shut
0: us out twice this year already. Rangers Yeah, Varlamov. He's a really good goalie. He has three shutouts already this year. It's great. And what's crazy is the Rangers were the only team in hockey last year to not get shut out. That's Rangers right. Yeah. Angry. When you have young players, you will have growing pains. Isle goalie get the W for last night. Yep. yep. He was great. He was great. Yeah. It was crazy. It was the Rangers won over sixty percent of the faceoffs? But the problem was, zero for three on the power play, and yeah. neither team had an advantage uh, with shots on goal either. So it was pretty much a stalemate until that third period when the Islanders took over. But for the Rangers, we have to host the Bruins tomorrow night who are 8-1 and 2, host yeah. the Bruins again
3: on Bruin. a Friday. Oh, boy.
0: And then host the Flyers on Sunday. Top it all off. That's oh, you, guys,
3: you guys got a hard week ahead of you.
0: Yeah, we have to win at least one of those games.
3: Yeah. That's right. now, we have to
0: win like, one.
3: Now, I got a question for you. Do you see your Rangers coach still being the coach come the end of the season, into thinking, next season? I was thinking the same
1: you,
0: question. I might have an answer for you. Okay. No, oh, God, no, I, I don't think Dave Quinn is going to stay. I think he should, but I don't think he's going to. I think it's just weird. The Rangers front office, they're just very impatient. They want results right away. I think the problem is this team is so young. Capocacco, uh, Laferne. I mean, all these guys are young pups. Yeah. So I don't think Quinn's going to be around next year. I hope he is. I hope he is. I'm optimistic, but I think we need to see the Rangers get into the playoffs and perform well with this young group in the playoffs for that to happen.
3: Yeah. I was watching his press conference. Well, I was watching the press, the pregame show before. And, you know, they they were interviewing uh, the Rangers coach and he like they one, somebody asked him, what what do you think about the Islanders or whatever? He's like, he really gave no answer. He was like looking for answers to pull out of the air. It seemed like he's like, yeah, we try to be like them. Yeah. Okay. Like he 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 had no motivation towards like a Ranger Islander matchup, which Tom us three know and pretty much all of New York knows. It's the best rivalry in sports, right at now. It is from New know. York,
0: New York sports. Yeah, yeah. For New York. You, you know. know what else
3: we know?
0: What? It's time to bring Gabe back one more
3: time. Oh, yes, one more time. All right, guys. The last time Gabe's coming on tonight. Everybody enjoy it. Um, James,
4: do it all right. Yes. Oh.
1: I like how you played he, the four one there.
4: You yeah, played he had, the four first one. One. He had yeah, a four one. Special. He wanted
1: to let everybody know that the, the, his his time's up. I think that was more punishing for all of us than yeah, Gabe whatsoever.
0: That was Gabe Flayton from Cornwall, New York. Small town up in Orange County. Uh... We'll have to take a road trip up to see him soon, uh, <laughs> in person. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happens when uh, you pick most of the NFL games wrong out of your entire staff. I gotta have a little punishment there. But uh, anyway, yeah, you were talking about Dave Quinn. Uh, yeah, it's tough. I don't. I don't know what's gonna happen. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but we'll see. Daniel Bakley, our next game is Sunday versus the Rangers. I assume you're a Flyers fan. Um, you know, I, I've worked a couple of Flyer games and they're a good hockey team. I, I like their young goalie, Carter Hart. He's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Konechny, those guys. I mean, look, the Flyers are a good hockey team.
1: They're a great really hockey fun. team. Yeah, Flyers is phenomenal. In fact, the one stands where they've been and in- Daniel May you could back me up here. I don't think Carter Hart's been that great this year. Yeah. I don't think he's I don't think he's been good. Sal's got a comment here as well. Front office loves him. Uh I assume he means Dan, uh David Quinn. Quinn lose a yeah. job of Capo and Alexi don't. Yeah. Alexi just has one point. He has that overtime game, uh, overtime That's goal against yeah. against Buffalo, Capo as well. I I love Keandre Miller. He's great defensively. I know they've been they've been they've been a whole different hockey team though. And Tom, you could attest to this, Sal, you could attest to this as well. Since the you know not having Jack Johnson in the lineup, not having D'Angelo in the lineup, they've been a completely different team.
0: Um, How do I feel about Elaine Vigneault? Well, I like him. He he was an excellent coach. Uh, I thought he was great. Uh, I miss him. Uh, I I don't know what your thoughts are about him, Daniel, but I I think he's an excellent coach for you guys. Yeah, Brian Elliott's been a great backup for Carter Hart, Hartsman, but you're going to get that with a young goaltender like that. I think patience is key with him. I think he's a really good netminder. He's very good awareness in the net. I just think it's going to take some time for him to take some steps forward. Elliott, good mentor for him. I think that – I remember Hart's first start, actually. So, yeah, I remember him. Uh, I believe it was two years ago now around this time. So he's definitely – you know, he's – Start. He's starting to take steps forward, but uh, let's talk about your Islanders, uh, guys. They've been on a roll. They've won two in a row, obviously the win against the Rangers. That uh, gives the Islanders two-game win streak, and more importantly, head coach Barry Trotz moves into third place all time with 850 wins. Yeah.
1: Massive achievement, Matt, massive accomplishment. I know uh, – Joe Quenville in front of him. I don't know who the other one is that's in front of him, but it's going to be an incredible feat to accomplish because I think the number one person has like 1,200 wins. So he's not going to – I don't think he's going to hit that. But great for him. I said it when it happened. That, that little COVID outbreak that happened saved this Islanders season. That break, yeah. I think they needed that. They needed that so much because they. you've seen they've gotten their stuff back together. I know it's only two games, minimal sample size, but they just look like a completely different hockey team. Than the five straight loss hockey team as they entered that COVID outbreak. Islanders is a scary team. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They absolutely are. They're just they're just a team that's that's been a little like you said, uh, Daniel, with your Philadelphia Flyers. They've been a team that's hot and cold. Hopefully they build some consistency, though. A nice shutout win for Varley is nice. A win against Pittsburgh is always good as well. Yeah, uh, the, the win against Pittsburgh Saturday
0: was really good. Uh Jordan Everly had two goals in that game.
1: Yeah. Sal in the comments. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, emphasis on blue. Isles need a pure goal scorer. Again, I don't I don't I don't disagree. I just don't think that you need one with the amount of offensive talent that they have. Do they have the Panera? No. Do they have the Crosby? No. Do they have the McDavid? No. But they have a lot of great guys that on any given night can succeed in the NHL. And we've seen that.
0: James, what's really weird too is
1: that win Saturday.
0: That broke the five game losing skit.
3: Yeah, I that think was it huge. was, it, it was huge. Um, like I was saying them getting the break was needed. Um, I think some of the home cooking, even though they're at the Rangers at MSG last night, you're still within New York. Yeah. Um, so I think some of that might've helped them kind of get back on track, get back home. Um, Kind of get reevaluated themselves, figure out what's going on. I'm sure Andrews Lee had a lot to say as the captain. I'm sure Barry Trotz had a lot to say. Um, you know, he as you as you guys can tell on the uh in on the sidelines he is very vocal towards his team. He's very vocal towards the the refs and stuff on the calls he disagrees with. So I'm sure he was very vocal over the last few days. With his team to get them back on track. It's nice to see them back on track, especially on. There's so many disappointing overtime losses we saw. Um,
0: but and hey, against Philly hurt that hurt. Yeah,
3: but it's nice to see them be- get back on track. It's nice to beat that. Nice to see them beat uh, a crosstown town rival.
0: And you get the Penguins again Thursday. The Penguins are five five and one, so you know You're- similar record to you guys. And if you can beat them, then. You go in hot hosting Boston on Saturday on Mm -hmm. a three game winning streak. So that's huge. You could potentially be on a three game winning streak heading into that game, which is something you would want. So best of luck. Thank you. He he just jinxed it. He just jinxed it. I really, really think the (laughs) Islanders have a chance to shut out the Bruins. There it
1: goes. Russo, should I I
0: do it? Hold on.
1: Uh, That's better. There it goes, man. That was it. There it goes. That was it. No, it was too late, James. Bring him back. No, it too late. He already said it.
0: He already said yeah, it. Yeah, well, I try to do the okay. Every yeah. time I predict an Island,
1: an shut <laughs> shutout or a win. He did God. it last year in the bubble too. Remember, James?
3: Yeah, I remember. Damn. Listen, you, you got a whole week of uh, big teams you guys got to play, so –
0: Okay, um, <laughs> Sal says, keep in mind, last night the Rangers held the top three lines in check. Your fourth line is much better, and they showed it with two goals.
1: Yeah. You know, Sal, fourth them, line. They, were, they were very not – they were very <laughs> – if I'm Sheshterkin, those are very two difficult goals that I'm okay with giving because that Matt Martin goal was crazy. The Sezikis goal was right within the crease. That was a, a, a swipe at the puck that, you know, went fortunate towards the Islanders. So they played a great game overall, though. You're right. Agreed.
0: All right, guys. So we're through the whole script. I just want to remind everybody that tomorrow night, Paul Lombardi will host the 3 and D show at 6 p.m. Eastern time. It's a special Wednesday edition of the show. He normally runs it on Mondays, but this week it's on Wednesday at 6, covering all things NBA and college basketball related. Tomorrow night's show is going to be more geared towards college basketball which, by the way, since we have a minute, I'm a huge Notre Dame fan. Down goes Duke, below 500 for the first time since 1999.
1: James, I told you. I you told didn't. you. I told you you were going to shout him out at some point, even though it wasn't on the script. I, I was
0: going to bring that up. Go yeah. Irish. Nate Leszewski, Juwan Durham, Dane Goodwin, those guys. Man, let me tell you something. Uh, you love to see it. But, yeah, Paul's going to be live tomorrow night here on Review and Preview Sports. Make sure to smash the like button, subscribe, check us out. Uh, James and Kyle, any any final thoughts? Fun fun. time as
1: always, guys. Fun time as always. Absolutely.
0: And one more thing, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. And over the next three weeks, Kyle Russo, you will be hosting Review and Preview. I'm going to be taking a little break, doing some things behind the scenes, a little uh, quality control, but I'll be back in March. So that will be good for you guys. We'll see a rotation of several different faces co- come on. So uh,
1: best of luck with that. I'm looking forward to rejoining you guys soon. Absolutely. Look forward to it. We'll keep the fort nice and clean. Don't you worry, Tom. Yeah, we'll keep the fort down. We'll keep it Let's up. Let's hope the Islanders win, by the way. Scott nah, James, just end the show. I mean,
3: All right. So
0: – um. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, Tom. I think, I think you know the closing statements. This is the last thing I'm going to say for a while. On behalf of James Montefusco and Kyle Russo, I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, saying so long. You've been watching Review and Preview here on Facebook Live. Everybody, have a good night.